All right, I, I want to talk a little bit because when it comes to Christmas, there are a lot of traditions that I like. I am a person who is all about Christmas traditions. I love lights. You can ask my wife. I probably spend more on Christmas lights than I'm supposed to. I love decorating the tree. It's still curious how that became a tradition, but I like it. I like singing. I love food, family, cards, watching movies, Christmas movies, like Die Hard, which was mentioned already. We can have a debate about that later. But gifts is oftentimes, kids, is getting gifts one of your favorite things about Christmas? No. Okay, how many kids, how many kids with your hands, you can make noise and put your hands up. How many of you say gifts is one of your favorite things about Christmas? Oh, it's very silent and polite. Okay, how many kids would say, mm, no, I don't like gifts? Parents, way to go. I don't know how you did that. But, but I think gifts are, are one of the things that we do. And there's a reason why we give gifts at Christmas. Because actually gifts, a gift is actually what Christmas was all about. Now, the key, though, is whether you get a good gift or a bad gift. All of us have had a great gift that we can remember. Probably some of us have had not-so-great gifts that we've been given as well. So I want to talk about what makes a great gift. The first thing that I would say is I want to look at a couple things that make a gift not great. So first of all is this. These are, I've got six things, six things that can make it so that you're not giving a good gift. Number one is this. You don't give a gift at all. You forget. If you've ever forgotten to give a gift on a birthday or an anniversary or at Christmas, that's the worst. Or if you go to someone's birthday party and they invite you and you say, you don't need to bring a gift, but you show up at the party and everybody else has a gift. It's incredibly awkward. So the first thing, if you, if you want to make sure you get a good gift, remember to actually give a gift. So no gift. The second thing is if it's a thoughtless gift. So a gift that would be given out of obligation. So some of you have reached this when you buy your groceries at the grocery store and they ask, would you like to donate $2? And truthfully, you don't want to donate $2, but you don't want to look cheap in front of the cashier so you feel pressured to say yes. A gift that's solely given out of obligation. I asked this week on, on the Eaglemont Online Facebook group if anybody had a story. And Carol gave me one, Carol Stewart. I have to give this important caveat. This is not Mike. So do not go to Mike afterwards and blame this on Mike because it's not him. But she said when they were first married, they had friends who were also newly married. And the husband forgot a gift. And so he just wrapped up kitchen utensils and gave them to his wife. A thoughtless gift is the second strike for a bad gift. Number three could be the wrong gift. As in you got the wrong gift for the wrong person. Now, if you... Find someone like me or my friend Jason Copan and you give us a Flames jersey, that's the way to go. If you find someone like Chris Kruk and you find him in his Flames jersey, that's probably not a gift. That's probably he lost a bet. So you can buy a gift that's not a bad gift, but it's the wrong gift for the wrong person. Okay? You following me so far? Number four is a useless gift or a worthless gift gift. Now, uh, this next picture is for real. I went to Banff, and I went in a store, and I saw this on the shelf for sale. If you can show that picture. It is literally a bag of dirt. It's a bag 
full of dirt. According to the back, it's the cleanest dirt on earth. I don't know how you do that. But they were selling this. People were paying for this bag of dirt. Worthless. If you've received a gift that really, it's no value. No one would want it. Okay? Number five is a gift that no one would want. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story from my life. When I was in college, back in the day, I was like most college students where I was poor and cheap. So one of the things that I quickly figured in my life I didn't need to do anymore for four years was cut my hair. So I grew my hair out really long, and when I grow my hair, it gets really curly and turns into like a big fro. So I had grown my hair. Me and a friend had decided we were going we to have a bet of who could grow their hair the longest. I won by a long shot. It was like two years of no haircuts. But when I finally cut my hair, I had all of this gross, greasy, disgusting hair and not sure what to do with it. But then an epiphany came. One of my good friends when I was in college, she had, we, all the students had a mailbox. But I decided to take her mailbox and I stuffed it full of my hair. I had the master key for the building, so I was able to get into her mailbox and stuff it full of hair so that when she went to get her mail, including I put some of the projects she had that she got marked that she had to find out how she did, so she had to put her hand all the way back, because it's about two feet deep, through the mailbox to get her stuff through my greasy, gross, unkept hair. There's a gift that no one would want, okay? That's strike number five. Finally, number six. The sixth strike of what could give you a bad gift is an ill-timed gift. So, dads, if your wife has been talking about how she wants to lose weight, buying exercise clothes or equipment right after she says that, that can be an ill-timed gift. Or a friend that I grew up with who had a girlfriend and had a shirt made with his girlfriend's face on it, that came just in time to be just after they broke up. That's an ill-timed gift, okay? Those are the six things that I see. No gift, thoughtless gift, wrong gift that's meant for someone else, a useless, worthless gift, a gift no one would want, or an ill-timed gift. So I want to flip it here. Because the Bible talks to us about the gift of Christmas, and it explains it as anything but a bad gift. The first thing that we see as we read through John 6, or 3.16 is it says that for God so loved that he... Oh, let's try that again. For God so loved that he... All right. Awesome. There was a gift that was given at Christmas. The Bible tells us how God created the world and all that was in it and that it was good. But over centuries, God watched the mess that humanity had made of the world. Or more poignantly, this thing called sin. God made paradise and gave guidelines for mankind to thrive on earth. But because we chose to turn away from God and his instructions and choose, chose instead to just serve our own desires and passions... We see sin enter the world. Yet despite this betrayal, despite the fact that we turned away from God, we don't see God destroy all of mankind. Nor do we see him turn away and neglect and just leave us alone. But God chose 
to give. He still chose to give. Secondly, we see that this gift that was given was a gift of love. It wasn't a thoughtless gift. He did not have to give, but rather the only reason for this gift was that God so loved. It was God's love that brought him to the point of wanting to give. Thirdly, we see that this gift of love was a gift of love specifically for you. God so loved the world. That doesn't mean that he so loved this planet. But it means he loved all of mankind. Which means you and me. God so loved you. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that God knew you even before you were born. That's not inauthentic when God says he loves you. He knew you well before that. For those of you who have been binging on Hallmark movies the last couple weeks, you know the good guy who waits on the sideline till the girl finally notices him? The Bible tells us that God has been pining for you. He's been desiring relationship with you. Even before your mom and dad first laid eyes on you kids, God has known you. And he's wanted you. He has said, this is my daughter, and this is my son. Fourthly, we see that the gift of Christmas is a gift of immense worth. Not useless and worthless, but immense worth that could never be paid back. God gave not something small, not something trite, but we see at Christmas that God gave his one and only Son. Can you imagine that? Giving your own child for someone else. I I can't ever imagine giving up my son. I don't think I'd be capable of ever doing that. But that's what God did for you and for me. Fifthly, we see that this gift was not a gift that no one would want, but rather it was a gift that everyone needed. Some of you have been living your life oblivious to God, a God who so loved you, but he has been watching you. And I don't mean that in a creepy way. I mean, God has been carefully caring for, passionately caring for and watching you, waiting for you to notice him. He so loved you that before you were even born, he gave up what was most dear to him. Sometimes we think about, well, that was like over 2,000 years ago that the story of Jesus being born happened. And eventually Jesus went onto a cross. That was way before my time. But the Bible tells us that God already knew you. And when Jesus gave up his life for you, when God gave his son, Jesus, for you, he already knew you. He did it for you. He did it for the whole world. He loved you before. He gave up what was most dear to him for you because of his great love for you. John 3:16-17 again for God so loved the world for God so loved you 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, that's if you, would believe in him, that you wouldn't perish. Meaning after this life, after this body is done, eternity would be spent with God. For God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn the world, to just talk about how it was bad, to say what mistakes you've done, how worthless you are, how you're not deserving. God didn't do that. That's not why he did that. But so that the world, so that you could be saved through him. Finally, number six this morning. God's gift at Christmas was not an ill-timed gift, but it was a perfectly timed gift for you today. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7 says this, But when the right time came, so it wasn't by chance when Jesus came, but it was the exact right time. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, but subject to the law, subject to the things that God instructed and said, this is the way I ask you to live. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his kids, God has sent the spirit of his son, Jesus, to live in our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Just like kids, you're the heir of your parents. They pass on what they have to you. God said the same thing, that you're his heir. He wants to pass on all the good things he has for you. God wants to offer you this gift today. A perfectly timed gift for you. For some of you, perhaps that's why you're here this morning. You may have come because there was free pancakes, or because you knew one of the kids who was singing, or you just randomly walked in today and were really excited that there was free pancakes. But regardless, I believe that perhaps the reason today is because you needed to hear this message. And you needed to hear about the God who's been pining and waiting for you to notice him. None of us like to think of ourselves as slaves, but the truth is we are. We're slaves to what the Bible calls our own sin, our own selfishness, our own addictions, the things we can't get out of. Slaves to that feeling inside of us of incompletion, of loneliness, of sadness, of self-serving emptiness. A desire within us to be known and loved that seems to be, in short, That our spirits aren't actually touched and mostly remains hollow within us, like a constant exposed wound. God made you with a God-made, built-in capacity to be known fully by him. The Bible tells us that he stands at the door of our hearts. It doesn't just mean that like the organ in our body, but our hearts, which is our feelings, our knowledge, our knowing, our personhood, God stands at that and he knocks. He knocks at the door, desiring to come in and make himself known to you. To clean out the junk and the clutter that has gotten in the way of you knowing and experiencing the fullness 
of him in you. The fullness of the things that we read about this morning in our readings of hope, of joy, of love, of peace, of Jesus. He is a good father, is what the Bible tells us. And he calls you his child. Some of you don't know a good father. You maybe haven't had the experience of having a good dad. But a good father is one who cares for his kids. He loves them. He provides for them. He teaches them. He guides them. He gives them all they need to grow, succeed, and have life and fullness. Today there is a gift for you. And I want to ask you this morning, before we conclude, if today you would like to receive that gift of Christmas, that good gift he has. I'm going to ask you at this time just to close your eyes and we're going to pray together. And I'm just going to ask all of us to say a prayer. It's an invitation prayer of asking Jesus into our life. But for some of you today, this is going to be a real prayer for you right now that you've never actually really asked. God so loved the world. God so loved you that he gave his son. That's what we celebrate. That's the best Christmas gift. And today, he wants to come into your life. And all you have to do, the Bible tells us, is it's by confessing, so saying with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, asking him for forgiveness, inviting him, believing and inviting him into our lives. So I'm going to lead you all in a prayer. I'm going to ask you just to repeat after me. We close our eyes not because we can't pray with our eyes open, but if you're like me, it's easy to get distracted. So I'm going to pray. We're going to close our eyes just to focus. And if that's you, you speak these words and mean them. The Bible tells us that Jesus will actually come in you. He'll clean out the other stuff. And he'll bring that hope, that love, that joy, and that peace. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, can you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for the gift of Christmas. Thank you for loving me. Please forgive me for the things I've done wrong. Help me to live how you would want me to live. Free me from the ucky stuff in me. And fill me with your love, your joy, your peace, and your hope. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.